1: catch other episodes by subscribing to the ballsy podcast on itunes we're also on social media just search ballsy podcast on facebook and twitter and you'll be notified of the latest episode don't
0: forget it's ballsy with a z are you ready sports fans
1: ballsy starts now hello everybody welcome into ballsy the sports day dfw dallas morning news sports podcast i am kevin sherrington Joined on the line today from Detroit, our Detroit correspondent, Evan Grant. Hi, Evan. How are you? I'm good,
0: Kevin. Has has producer Brian ever talked to you about the fact that that intro is very, very nice, but probably redundant at this point in time since we have the fancy intro music?
1: Yeah, but it's, it's not real, though. This is real. That's just, that's all fake. You, know. you as real
0: as it gets, Kevin.
1: Uh, that's right. I am real. I'm real, man. I'm real. So so what's going on? Are you, first of all, I guess I should ask, have you had any lobster in Detroit?
0: I have not had any of the Detroit River lobster. Um, that is usually served flambé, I think, in a natural
1: <laughs> place. You're thinking of Cleveland, where that's where they... the How do you pronounce it? The, is it the... Cuyahoga, the Cuyahoga, how do you pronounce that river that was on fire in the Cuyahoga. 70s? The Cuyahoga. The Cuyahoga River. Is that it? Yeah. yeah, Cuyahoga. It was on fire in the 70s. No, I
0: have, I've just gotten to Detroit. I'm on my way to my hotel. I am ready to cover some Rangers baseball and the return of Joey Gallo. You know,
1: before we get into all that, I want to just say that uh, our coverage in Arlington on the last game of that series was spectacular. I, I, it was unbelievable. I, I learned so much from reading the stuff that that uh, the, our our uh, our guy did out there. Was that you, Evan? Uh,
0: let's get on to the baseball talk, <laughs> shall we?
1: <laughs> Kevin, I, I do
0: want to congratulate you on covering a a baseball game. Um, I know it was tough
1: but you did a fine job. It was a, it was an afternoon game. It was a breeze. You know, here's the problem with the afternoon game, and I'm going to get myself in trouble with the boss here, is that why is it? It's a 2 o'clock start on this game, right? A 2 o'clock start. And so what's the deadline? 7. 7 o'clock. It's like, what's the point of having an afternoon game if you're going to give me a 7 o'clock start? Because you know, as well, that's
0: you, true. But you, but deadlines are just suggestions, <laughs> <laughs> so, and
1: and they were. And I showed them that because I got my, I got some of it in before seven. But I, my column, kind of, it didn't show up until seven forty five.
0: All your stuff was great on Sunday, and I will say this: that I thought your notebook was spectacular.
1: Wow, a spectacular notebook. Well, you know, here's the thing: there's a lot of pressure on that stupid notebook because because you know you're trying to find. Stuff that's good to write about, stuff that makes sense, you know. And then I got Richie Rice uh, sending me notes after the game is over. So, oh, hey, by the way, we, uh, we've we optioned Kyle Bird. And, and uh, you know, it's like, hey, it was a little bit of a good thing to know a little earlier. But that's okay. That's okay.
0: Notebooks unnerve me sometimes.
1: Yeah, they, they do. Because, you, you know, Evan, as you well know... I am way out of practice being a beat guy. It's been a long time, and you know, once you've been doing what I've been doing all these years, it, it's like all of a sudden you're going to make me get up and run a marathon or something. It's like what? You know? I,
0: I know two two headlines in a day.
1: Oh my! God. <laughs> oh my God! No, I
0: will. I will say this. I don't want to get too much into the practice of modern journalism, but notebooks, notebooks, or they can unnerve you because you want to try and get interesting stuff, but you also have a very limited amount of space. And so your ability to quote unquote write or craft anything is uh, um, very much marginalized. But uh, I thought you did a really good job taking a, a Nomar Mazzara and uh, his hot streak and turning it into um, a, a well-written, very tight, uh item i thought it was i really did think it was really well done well thank you
1: evan i wasn't trying to set that up for a compliment but i will say this uh i was a little uh surprised when i went up to talk to because we talked to uh chris woodward before the game and talked about you know the fact that nomar was obviously having quite a weekend uh and then and then he goes out and hits two doubles uh in in the game sunday one on uh O two pitch, one on an O one pitch, uh early in the count, lining the ball uh, up the middle. Um, uh, just really he's just really stroking the ball. And uh and and afterwards, so I'm gonna go up and I'm asking Nomar about some of this and, and clearly he looked a little perturbed. Uh, that, you know, hey, I mean he just said out of nowhere, people have been freak were freaking out early in the year and uh hey, it's just this is what I do and I'm gonna and I'm just gonna be fine. Which, you know. Uh, That was never been my impression around him. That he would uh, have that kind of reaction, just out of the box. Uh, Well,
0: two things: it's um, it is common for people to be perturbed when talking to you. (laughs)
1: Yeah, that's Uh, true. Number one,
0: and two: um, this is it's part of. First of all, Nomar has. uh, I I think the um, and and I said this to somebody over the weekend. The difference in Nomar's personality in terms of loosening up and giving people a hard time and and just kind of doing the, um, the smart-ass thing that I think is uh, is very common for baseball players when they feel comfortable and that they belong. I think it, that part of it is more noticeable with him. And I mean this in a good way, because I just think he feels more at ease and more comfortable than any other player in the clubhouse this year. So I, I, I think when he says... Um, you know everybody was freaking out that's kind of he's uh he's like look dude i know i can do this and um uh and he's he's just letting everybody know he he was never worried
1: so let me ask you this then because you're in detroit uh the home of M- miguel cabrera uh and a guy that that bill james no less said that uh the the um, i don't know the the ceiling for Nomar zara is Miggy Cabrera uh and we kind of uh after the last three years of uh a very similar statistics uh we were saying nah, i don't know so much about that do you think that that is uh, still a possibility
0: listen he's he's twenty four and as a hitter uh there's no doubt that he could continue to cycle upwards um I think that we've got a, a fairly significant track record on him right now, and that has been basically that he is about a, seven, a league average to very slightly above uh, offensive player. But it's clear that over the last week, uh, the bat and the ball have uh, made contact in a different manner. Um, and, and I think that one thing the Rangers have been waiting to see this year is to see Mazzara really kind of apply all the swing analysis and data and process all that in the way that, that they've been presenting it. And I think that, that for the first three months, maybe a little bit of that was was slow. So I, I guess what I'm uh, – my, my judgment here is I'm not going to sit here and swing the other way right now and say, oh, after a week – this guy the sky is the limit for this guy but i do think you could you could raise your eyebrows a little bit and say over the last week hey is this the beginning of this guy really starting to get something this is not just a normal hot streak for him that he seems to have during the summertime is this the kind of thing that indicates a guy taking the next step in his career and unfortunately for for fans the answer is going to be it's going to take some more time to um, to make a determination on that.
1: How much you know? Because we we've talked about that before. The numbers being really similar. When he was going into the All Star break last year, he had 15 home runs, and you know, then he got hurt, uh, and then things were different. The second, I, I
0: think his OPS at, at the All Star break last year was right at 800, which would have represented a big step forward for him. Yeah, and then he did get hurt, and I do think it really crippled part of the, a big part of the second half of the season. Is his thumb was borderline in need of surgery, and he opted to to play through it and let it heal that way.
1: So with that in mind, I think I'm more inclined now to say maybe he was trending upward and was making the kind of gains uh and he talked about how he tweaked his swing a little bit in the off season as well. Um, but uh, maybe he was making some gains because of what the way he's starting to hit right now. Uh, is more that it kind of will at least lend some credibility to the idea that this is not just a hot streak for him, which we, we have seen uh, several times, that maybe he The way, is the, the, a way the
0: ball is leaving the bat has is, is been different this week. I mean, it is absolutely jumping off the bat, and I'm not just talking about the five hundred five foot home run, whether or not you believe that, that measurement or not. But the other two home runs were also crushed. And, you know, when he comes back a third straight day with, with the two doubles, uh, it, it lends you to believe that he is—he is not just seeing the ball right now. He's executing swings on the ball the way he wants to. All right, but let's let's see what happens. You know, I I think a good test is going to be this this weekend in Tampa Bay because I don't think anybody crunches data quite as well as the Rays do, and so they'll have a pretty good game plan even on a small sample size. If they need to make adjustments, and I'll be interested to see how he how he plays in that series uh, offensively.
1: Before we get to Tampa, though, we're going to be in Detroit. The Rangers will be in Detroit, uh, and on Tuesday, not we, me, you, yeah. Well, I mean, it's like the listen, me and you, pal. We're together. We're a team. Come on, the original That's right. members You're of this podcast. <laughs> You're my backup guy now. You're my backup. I'm your backup guy now. You better be nice to me. Uh, so anyway. The uh, uh, So, Joey Gallo will be back on Tuesday. Uh, is he going to be in the lineup?
0: Joey Gallo will be back tonight. I expect he will DH tonight. Um, uh, and I expect he might um, play left field maybe tomorrow and then maybe DH on the day game. Um, and then I would think that it, it might go back to center field full time.
1: Even on that turf over there?
0: well you know they'll they'll ha- uh, they'll have four uh, they'll have three in Tampa right yeah. three in Tampa mm-hmm. um i wouldn't be surprised to see him have one of the days off of, of the turf in tampa as well
1: yeah yeah well that's what
0: but, I would, but all i'm saying is i think that positionally i think they'll they'll ease him back into center field over the next couple of days and then when he does play, he's going to play in center field, I would think.
1: Yeah, So they've already pretty much announced what the corresponding move was as Kyle Byrd goes out. Uh, Correct. So That's we'll,
0: the move today. Which, yeah. is in, in some ways, is, is a little bit surprising, only because it takes the bullpen down to seven relievers. Uh-huh. And that is something that John Daniels has not been uh, very willing to do because uh, over the past couple of years, you know the pitching staff has been so weak. Uh, there have been so many struggles to keep guys from being overworked that he prefers uh, in the American League to have the eight relievers and with as many everyday guys as they've had and not much of a strong bench. They were able to go with one less uh, position guy. Now uh, they're they're willing to. I think they've re. They've reconfigured the roster a little bit with a few more optionable pitchers so they can effectively turn that seventh reliever into an eighth guy by keeping potentially cycling guys through as they have heavy workloads um, with other optionable guys. And they've got, and I think this is where we're headed, they've got a roster that is deep in productive position players.
1: Are you, are you finished, Kevin? No, you you were just going along. All of a you just stopped. Um, well, I mean, go ahead. What no, was, no. Well, so here's so here's the deal. So that that move was taken care of uh, basically on Sunday. What happens when Hunter Pence comes uh, available on Thursday? Well,
0: that's a good question, Kevin. I'm glad you asked it. I wrote a column about that this morning. All right. Um, I, I, You know, the easy move here would be to send one of the optionable guys down. Easy, the context there being that you control all the players, um, you wouldn't potentially risk losing anybody, uh, and the optionable guys have been optioned already this year in Calhoun, the Shields, uh, Guzman has not been optioned yet, but all, the, all those guys have options. I just feel like if you look inside these numbers here, uh, although as Juba Cabrera has played well and has played adequately for this team, if you're looking at both the short and long-term view, I think there, there could be a situation where come Thursday the Rangers have to ask whether or not the right move at this point in time would be to keep the Shields in the big leagues. The guy is on base at a 420 clip since he's come back from the minor leagues. Um, to keep Guzman at first base, and I, I gotta tell you, I'm obsessing right now over the stat that that I, I kind of looked at the other day, and that is that neither Elvis and Andrus nor Rudnett Odor have a throwing error this year, and part of that is due to them, but you have to acknowledge that Ronald Guzman has made a huge difference in eliminating fielding errors or throwing errors rather um and so i think if you send guzman down you're potentially impacting multiple players and the pitching staff um calhoun all he's done since he's come back is is hit peas i mean he's i think his exit velocity is 93 miles an hour since he's come back um and then you look at third base, and you've got two guys on the bench who are pushing for regular playing time in Logan Forsythe and Danny Santana. Um, Santana should be a regular right now. Might be a little bit of a stretch defensively for him to play regularly at third base, but those two guys deserve playing time. And so I, I just wonder if the Rangers won't potentially look at their situation and say, look, we did not necessarily expect as Rubel Cabrera to be here in the second half of the season. We certainly didn't expect our roster to be this deep. Um and we've got from the younger players, we've gotten all the improvements uh that we expected that we not even just expected, that we hoped. And so that's that situation, you know, and I know the one thing that's getting left unsaid here is rugnado door and what do you what do you do with Rugnet O'Dor? Well, At the end of May he passed five years of service time in the big leagues, which allows him to refuse any option to the minor leagues. So if the Rangers were trying to send O'Dor out, he could refuse it and I think as I wrote he could take the rest of his forty nine million dollars and his punch and ride off into the sunset and the Rangers aren't gonna go for that.
1: So a couple of questions. How much is Cabrera uh, how much are the Rangers on the hook for with Cabrera?
0: Another one point seven million and that's I, I, that's certainly not uh, petty cash and you know it's certainly not in John Daniels um, uh, typical way that he operates of just you know cutting guys loose especially with significant amounts of money involved but I think we also have to consider the possibility that that this has become an unusual situation for the ring.
1: Second question. Have uh, Danny Santana or um Logan Forsythe played any third base in the big leagues? Forsythe
0: has been the backup third baseman this year. I mean, he's played he's he's played third base in the big leagues. Um I don't know exactly how many starts, but he's played a decent number of games at third base. Uh yes. The the uh the question on Santana I think might be Arm strength for third base, and I, you know, I, 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 don't know exactly how much of a stretch it would be, and it might be a little bit of one. But I will say this, and and, and Cabrera is a shortstop playing third base. Yeah, uh, Santana is a shortstop who's been playing all over. Um, I, I, I think that if you look at the defensive metrics, you're going to see that Cabrera has the worst defensive run save number among qualifying uh qualifying third baseman in the big league and so i mean you could if you wanted to convince yourself that hey you get on days when you start santana if he's if he's below average defensively you get a few at bats and hopefully there's a spark out of him offensively get a lead and then you turn it over to Forsyth to finish out the game um and how much are you actually losing defensively there you might be able to convince yourself of that. You might be wrong, but you also might – there might be a negligible difference between the two.
1: Now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, which I probably am, but uh, I believe that, that Cabrera has 11 home runs and all 11 of them have come at home.
0: Yeah, Cabrera, Cabrera's split. The batting average is not as profound, but the power numbers are all 11 home runs have come at the ballpark. I think he's got nine RBIs at – on the road and the great majority of his RBIs are at home. I think, I, and I don't, I'm just, I've been traveling all day. I don't have the splits in front of me, but it's home and road splits. And as a switch hitter, uh, they've been a little bit lopsided too. So um, those are all things to consider as well.
1: Well it wasn't counting on this so this is interesting for me to think about uh, about these possibilities I, I will say this you know watching um, Santana at the plate this year and watching him in the field you know he's 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 pretty good uh, in the field he's athletic uh he, he, hes taking good routes on balls uh, you know I, I have no complaints with him out there and when you watch him at the plate in the in the short quick stroke uh he's just you know Uh, I don't get it. Why the guy has not been uh, a regular player up to now? What? What? What do you? Well, you know, he was
0: he was a regular as a rookie and hit three hundred. And I I I just think that circumstances, um, some adjustments made on him that he didn't respond to or quickly enough at that point in time, and then potentially falling out of favor in Minnesota um, under the Molitor regime. Um, all of that could have conspired to, you know, lead this guy to a place where he just wasn't terribly confident in himself. And, you know, we can take all the information that we possibly have and all the data and all the video, and it still does come down in some cases to how much a player believes in himself. And certainly the way you watch Danny Santana play the game right now, it's a guy who's playing baseball with confidence in his ability. And and I think that the Rangers also – you know have asked guys to buy in right to buy into this whole process that they're putting together and he's done that and he's being rewarded for it and uh he really has rejuvenated his career entirely he's the biggest surprise on this team you might make the case that the fact that this guy's hitting 300 and playing every day he's as big a surprise as anybody in major league baseball
1: yeah, he might be. Um, and that, That's kind of the remarkable thing is that if we look at this season so far, and, and, and now Mazzara has, has picked it up, and certainly Gallo has had a tremendous season before he got hurt, and we'll see how he does when he comes back. Um, and so those were, were great signs for the Rangers, uh, and Elvis has continued to play at a very high level. Uh, and so those things were all good. They're, they're still a little blank at catcher. Uh, they're you know the the yeah, end-
0: but and you know what catching is going to be what catching is this year. That's just the way. That's just the way they lined up, and that's that's just what it's it's going to be. And um, as a as an emergency last second pickup, Fedorovich has not been bad at all. Um, but I yeah, I mean the the catching situation offensively, I think everybody expected it was going to be below average. Defensively, at least on the on on the um, on the metrics like framing, it's been average to below, and on throwing runners out, it's been well below average. So, do we, do we
1: think any, that has anything to do with the fact that he's been that Jeff Mathis is being asked to catch so much?
0: I think I think you've got to believe some of that. Yes, I, I do. You know, the hard thing with with catching base runners is how much of them comes down to catchers throwing and we've got measurements now on top time and so we can look at how quick guys are are, are throwing. Um but I, I think that um I think you have to question whether or not the the amount of, of work that Mathis has put in and quite frankly I thought that look if we were sitting here at the end of June if there was anybody who had been on the D L on the on the injured list for ten days, two weeks, something like that, it would be Mathis just to kinda of give him a break let him catch his break, but let unfor- catch his breath. But unfortunately, um, Isaiah kinda for left us sprained his, his middle fingers and so Jeff has had to continue to, to bear the workload and, and I'll say this, I'd like to talk to Jeff Mathis about this. it, it does take a a special guy to go out there and bat 150, and still show up every day. Take pride in his job. Not get beaten down. Not not get completely worn down by the numbers. And and I don't think he has. I think he has. I think he's shown up every day. He continues to work with the pitchers uh, well. I think you do have to for whatever um, you can credit him in some ways. With Mike Miner taking an even bigger step forward, most of that credit belongs to Miner. But I think, in some ways, you have to believe that he and Mathis have worked really well together. Um. So I. But the the short answer, uh, after a very long answer, is the catching situation just is what it is. there's not going to be any fixing of that this year.
1: Yeah, probably not. Uh, Trevino, what is what's his uh, what's the. What's the situation? I, I right now? believe
0: Jose is still hurt. He has been he's been dealing with a uh, with a shoulder issue for I believe. Well, the shoulder was last year, and I'm just it was an early morning, and I'm I don't want to speak on what the injury is, but he has been on the IL at, at Nashville for a while
1: now. Yeah. So let's uh, let's switch over now to the uh, the pitching side here. Uh, as we speak here, going into the game Tuesday night, Jesse Chavez is going to be the starter for the uh, Rangers. He has actually started opened uh, games this year, but this will be his first as a true starter in the rotation. Uh, how long do you expect that uh, to be the case?
0: Um. Listen, I think the, I think at this point in time they'll give Jesse the ball and let him run with it uh, because they don't have the, the minor league options they've run out there have not performed. Um, I don't see the Rangers adding a veteran on a trade unless it is a controllable pitcher and that's not a, a trade that's going to come together until sometime in July. Uh, I think that you know, for right now, the Rangers are going to look and see how, if Jesse can give them five innings and if the bullpen can function without him in it, uh, the Rangers are willing to roll with this for a while.
1: Yeah, that'll be interesting. You know, he, he has pitched extremely well this year. Um, and, and well, do- he's
0: rebounded after an awful April. He made great adjustments um, and, and he really has. I think his ERA is 0.58 since. Uh, since May 1st. Um, but, you know, Kevin, I think the one thing is we can't just focus on, like, how does Jesse Chavez do in the rotation? He could pitch pretty well in the rotation, but if the bullpen falls apart in his absence and he's been so critical to the bullpen, then what do you do, right?
1: Yeah, that was, that was going to be my question, is that, you know, what's been so great about him is his versatility, you know, and, yep. uh, and the, the things he's been able to do. So who steps up in his place to do that? uh of course you know here was the thing and that was the deal sunday uh was it adrian Sampson, after two just terrible outings goes out and pitches pretty well uh you know in that uh ender against the white Sox, um get, some balls were hit hard off him mean, especially early in counts which was interesting they do the white Sox like to hack and there's no question about that but they were attacking stuff early but the the rangers turned Two nice double plays to get him out of uh, trouble uh, in parts of the game. And as Dribble Cabrera also made a nice play on a ball, smashed at him at one point as well. Um, but, you know, when a, when a guy throws seven innings, 90 pitches in seven innings, uh, one walk, you know, yep. uh, gives up one run, uh, what more could you want from a guy who's supposed to be your fourth or fifth starter?
0: Oh, and, I mean, in the perfect world, he would have been your sixth starter, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, he actually right. was your sixth starter. So, um for him to do that uh is what the rangers the rangers need there were going to be some hiccups along the way for him and people are going to have scouting reports on him but if he rebounds and he finds ways if, if he finds ways to stick around in games um with this offense it is going to give this team a chance to win games and that's all with these guys who are fill-in starters, and that's what they are. Um, if you give this team, if you give your, your your club a chance to win games, that's all you can ask. You, you can't ex- expect these guys to go. You know the the complete game that he threw. That was that was great, and it was a great moment for him. But you're not expecting Adrian Sampson to become a middle or upper rotation starter. You're just hoping that this guy can give you the innings and keep you in a game long enough for your offense to hopefully win you games that day, you know?
1: Well, and that and just keep from wearing out your bullpen and from, you know – Making it where you, you there, there's nobody there there are no other you know uh, Samson and Ariel Gerardo these are two guys who are going to have to just kind of soak up some innings and and really step up here because uh, Herado had, had also had a very nice stretch and then had run into a wall so we'll see how he responds this week as well uh, but if these guys don't answer the bell that they don't have any other options there there's nobody there's nobody coming from minor leagues and uh, you know if, if John Daniels. You know, at some point, I would assume uh, if both of these guys had fallen on their faces, that he was going to have to make a deal just so he could round out the rotation. You know, because you you don't want to ruin uh, anybody uh, in the minor leagues. Uh, any no, and I, look, I don't want to. I don't want to write off. Um,
0: I certainly don't want to write off Joe Palumbo. I think the Rangers feel like there's some adjustments he needs to make at the minor leagues because he wasn't able to get, to throw his breaking pitches and his secondary pitches for strike. And Cleveland exposed it and jumped all over the fastball, but I don't want to write him off after you know after two starts up here. He's he's going to get another chance this year, Uh, and I think I think Joe is a smart enough kid that he will make some level of adjustment.
1: Yeah, but you don't Um, want to ruin his confidence either, and that and that's no, you
0: don't. And I think that's part of the reason why they sent him back down after that was hey. While you while you work on making this adjustment, let's not put you out there against teams in this day and age that have the ability to completely eliminate pitches and, and expose all your weaknesses.
1: Yeah, because that's the issue here for the Rangers now. Is that uh, it, it's not so much that guys aren't ready, which is a problem. You know, you, you know, this was a problem of the organization; it just didn't do a good job of the you know uh, keeping. Prospects ready to go uh, and, and ready to step up and fill in. Uh, so you're asking these guys like Gerardo and uh, and Sampson to look. You know, we've got to have something from you guys just so we don't uh, overexpose these younger guys. We don't want to ruin their confidence, uh, and they're going to. And I think to before
0: the end of the summer, I think you'll see you'll see Jonathan Hernandez get a chance to start. I think the Rangers would like to see a little bit more consistency from him at Double A, but. I think you'll get a chance to see him start, and he's got, quite frankly, he's got better stuff than both Palumbo and and uh, Taylor Hearn. He just he hasn't really found a way to pitch consistently, consistently with it. And I think you've also got a chance to see Brock Burke pitch at some point in time. He's healthy and and has started to pitch again. Uh, so I think there's two other guys in the minor leagues you might see before the end of this year is up, but clearly if these if these if this team is going to make a run uh at a a playoff spot um if there's a if there's a pitcher if there's a position to add it is a controllable starting pitcher i however could not sit out there and endorse regardless of situation giving up any kind of real currency to get a guy like even a madison bumgarner who you'd only have for two months you know i mean that's this team just isn't in that position
1: right now. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing here. John Daniels will have to make some decisions. I, I'm, you know, my feeling has been uh, that, and I think this is the same thing. You think is that, uh, you know, he's going to kind of let these things play out and see and see what they do and see how far they go and and if it, if they're able to maintain this jockeying for position for that second wild card you you, you can't just Absolutely. turn you can't turn your back on that uh, that you, you presented that opportunity you you have to do that but you can't but the other you side of that you can't is,
0: lose sight of what your long-term future is you, no you, you just can't and 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 i will say this look the rangers have played two weeks of of a five-week stretch that will ultimately determine whether or not they are real contenders for the wild card and to this point, they are eight and six in those game in those two game in those uh, those two um, those two weeks without an off day. Uh, eight of those game or seven of those games have been um, uh, against winning uh, teams that are in the that are legitimate contenders. And so they've acquitted themselves well. This will be a big week because. Uh, Look, they could potentially go into Tampa Bay with a chance. The Rays are playing this week at Minnesota before they host the Rangers. Um, the Rangers are playing at Detroit. Rangers go 2-1. and one. Tampa Bay goes 1-2. and two. The Rangers could sit there going into Tampa Bay with the idea that if they win that series, they lead the wild card race overall. So it is, it, it's another important week for the Rangers. And then you get through this week and you come home for a very quick homestand. And then you're back on the road at Minnesota going into the All-Star break. So uh, each week between now and the middle of July, things could change wildly. And all I can say is to this point, the Rangers have have, have held up their end of the bargain that this team, as surprising as it has been, it's not a, a fluke, that they are actually better than I think people expected.
1: Yeah, I think they are too. Speaking of that uh, that Minnesota trip, uh, I, I, it's my understanding that you're going to bring in uh, one of the pros from Dover to to cover that series against the Twins? One of the who? Pros from Dover.
0: Yeah. Um, yes, Kevin, you're going to actually cover that series in Minnesota. Congratulations.
1: <laughs> That's right, Pally. Um, You'll be getting Kevin Sherrington every day from uh, beautiful Minneapolis. I have not been in that new stadium. I'm looking forward to it. That'll be a lot of fun. It's
0: a lovely stadium, and one thing you should try is they have a lot of different pork products there at the stadium. (laughs) Um, uh, They do love their pork in Minneapolis. Do they really? Also, while you're there, even though it'll be summertime, trust me on this, find somewhere in Minneapolis to get some wild rice soup.
1: Wild rice soup, really? Yeah. That's a big thing in, in Minneapolis.
0: Oh, yeah. I love it.
1: Wow. Wild rice And pork. Who who would have thought these people were big on pork?
0: They love their pork, baby.
1: Wow. That's interesting. Okay. All right. I think
0: you can get pork on a stick in uh, at, the, at the ballpark. And I, <laughs> I'd like to see a picture of you eating your pork on a stick.
1: You know, Dad, here we call that a corny dog.
0: They, 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 Yeah, this is actual just like a – I think it's like a slab of pigs. It's not formed into a sausage or anything. They just skewer like a, a side of a pig, and people walk around the, the ballpark with it.
1: That's an attractive look, isn't it? Oh, my gosh. All right.
0: People are happy and friendly there. What can I say?
1: Well, they are. It's, they're a happy people. That's, you know, we love to say that line. When, when Bill Clinton – at Bill Clinton's inauguration uh, – what was his name from ABC? Peter Jennings was was there, you know, a very distinguished guy, and, and he he was re- really astonished by these people in, in uh, Little Rock, you know, where you know my wife's from just down the road there, and uh, the lovely Debbie, and and uh, he said he made the, re- the comment, "They're a happy people."
0: <laughs> which, well, which he I thought was unusual. That. I will say that about the, all the little piggies—they are happy people. After uh, Nick's matriculation at the University of Arkansas, we found we found all our friends in Fayetteville to be very, very happy, nice people.
1: There, you know, it, it, it was like,
0: especially it, after they ran Bobby Petrino out of town. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, he kind of ran himself on that motorcycle, you know. Uh, yes,
0: he did. So yes, anyway,
1: did. and they got a new coach over there now. You know, they got that Chad Morris guy who was at SMU. So yeah,
0: I, he's he's got all the great quarterbacks. He's got his son, he's got Jerry Jones's grandson. He's got them all.
1: He's, well, and he's got the, you know, uh, Nick Starkle who transferred from Texas A&M. Uh so we'll we'll see what happens with those uh, hogs this fall. You know my uh, my daughter Olivia, she'll be a junior and so She's on the Palm Squad, and she's looking forward to them being pretty good this year. She'd like to think they'd Way, anyway. yeah. Way to rub it
0: in, Kevin. Way to rub it in. You're making Nick sound like an underachiever
1: now. Oh, that's right. You know, because Olivia's still got two years left for them to be good. Uh, we'd like for her to get a bowl game. You know, because Madeline, her older sister, was also on the Palm Squad at Arkansas. And, you know, they were just never any good in football while she was there. So... You know, it's been a bad run. Uh, we 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 don't want to think that the sins are just a curse. Uh, so so we'll see what, what happens going forward. So our, so that's I guess that's it for our college podcast. Uh, on college that's football. good.
0: Yes, you, you guys have been a curse, the Sherrington curse.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. We are. We are. You got to live with it, anyway. So, Evan, thanks for coming on, man. It's great to talk to you. Have a good time in Detroit. Uh, you know what is what is the what is the food specialty in Detroit? I don't even know.
0: Well, uh, the, the two things they like their Coney Island uh, hot dogs here. Um, Do they? But also there is a there is a there used to be. It, it, it seems to be getting smaller. There was a uh,
1: tire on a stick
0: town. Oh. There was a, there was a big Greek town near the. Uh, in the area near the ballpark, so I'll probably be having a gyro, or as I like to call them, a Euro sometime this week.
1: All right, I didn't realize there were a lot of uh, those, uh, Greek uh, influence there in Detroit. I didn't know what there the is. influence was in Detroit. Uh, there is
0: you, there, there is a there is um, a very large Mediterranean influence. There's uh, um, a lot of there's a lot of good Lebanese places here. There's a lot of uh, good Greek places here. Um, very, very much Middle Eastern and Mediterranean. So How about that? Um, you, you, you do have a large influx, influx of that uh, segment of the population. Um, and there actually is a pretty good barbecue spot uh, here called Slows um, that we've been to a couple times. I had a very memorable lunch there with Lance Berkman one time. But I'm going to tell you, Kevin. I went to Pecan Lodge on Sunday, yeah, and I ate way, way, way too much because we had a visitor in from out of town, and we were showing her around, and uh, so I got a little bit of everything, and I didn't feel so good after eating too much. So I might stay away from the barbecue this uh, well, week.
1: Here's the thing. First oh, but
0: then and then on Friday, you know, oh go to Tampa, gosh. and you know the specialty in Tampa is of course the grouper sandwich Yes, and uh straight from the gulf coast and saturday night uh, we're hoping to have a little group of people to go out to frenchies in Saint in uh, clearwater uh, which was as you know well the 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 paradise for our dear departed friend jerry fraley and so we're going to have a little uh hopefully have a little toast to jerry um where we all clunk our grouper sandwiches together and and toast his memory.
1: That'll be nice. You know, he told me one time that uh, that his dream to retire, and, of course, he was never going to retire, but his dream to retire was that he would go to Frenchie's every day for lunch and go out there and sit on the beach and uh, and eat his grouper sandwich and have a beer and watch the girls walk by. Well,
0: and you know what my goal for retirement
1: is? What's that, um, Evan?
0: It is to be extremely wealthy and to buy and sell things um, like a power broker.
1: <laughs> like a power broker. <laughs> I feel like I'm talking to an eight-year-old about what he wants to be when that's, he grows up. I want to be like a power broker.
0: Buy, sell, sell, buy, buy.
1: <laughs> I want to tell you something. If I got a lot of money... I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna buy and sell anything other than what I'm gonna eat, and what I'm gonna drink, and that is it. Get a lot of money. I don't Kevin, need to be over there.
0: You drink iced tea.
1: I know. That's what I'm saying. I'm just. It's eating and I have to drink something. You know. I drink a diet coke. I had a fresca black cherry last night. Have you ever had that, Evan?
0: No, I've only had the regular fresca.
1: Yeah, the black cherry was an interesting, interesting thing. Uh, we'll see. Uh, it, was, it was pretty good, though. I I, I, I have to say I, I enjoyed it. It was good. So, different. All well, right. I'm glad to hear that, Kevin. Yeah, there you go. So, Evan, that's it for our, our podcast today. I want to thank everybody who came in the studio. Oh, I guess it's just me and Brian. So, that's it. It's just the two of us. Uh, uh, Brian's well, in Kevin, there. I talk <laughs>
0: to you all the way from the Detroit airport here into the lobby of the Marriott Courtyard in downtown Detroit. where you know... I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but, like, in public, there's no escaping noise. You can't ever get somewhere that's quiet. No. There is always noise. So I'm sorry for all the ambient noise that has been on this bar. There's a
1: lot of noise. There's a lot of noise that wasn't ambient either. Uh, just two things, Evan, before we go. I had to do this. It's First of all, it's Detroit, not Detroit, and it's pecan, not pecan. So not so much I've emphasis on syllable.
0: I always i in, in Georgia I've always uh, I called it pecan and it's actually according to the people who I know who are big in the hockey community Detroit
1: Detroit that's the way that yep. uh that's the way that uh uh Gordon Lightfoot said it you know in Detroit they sing. That's right. In the marathon, so he's Cathedral.
0: from Canada, which is
1: close to Detroit. Detroit, there you go. All right, Evan. Brian's yeah. in there banging the microphone against his head, uh, so I think that's a signal. Either that, or he's had a, or he's had a stroke. One yeah. of the two. I'm not sure which, but anyway,
0: either is completely possible with our good friend Brian.
1: Yeah, it is. So thanks, Evan. Evan thanks have for a coming. Nice afternoon. Oh, you too, Evan. Have a great game up there, and uh, and we'll see you next time, pal. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. So there goes Evan Grant, uh, and that's our Rangers podcast. We had a um, Mavericks podcast as well, uh, and that's going to do it for us for this week. Be sure to tune in next week because we'll be back for more of, of this and Brian banging his microphone against his forehead. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Rangers Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.